Check, check. Check, check, check. Welcome to the show. Hello. Oh, you want yep, your headphones okay. today? I don't think so, man. Not about that. No, I don't think so. Welcome to episode Cinco of Undrafted Amateurs. Joe, how are you feeling this morning? Episode five. I'm here. I'm a little little disappointed. Yeah. Just because you feel bad or because No, that, my pride uh, is wounded. Yeah. This <laughs> this it was a tough yesterday yeah. to watch. We finally though, Super Bowl set, championship weekend done. Yep. We finally had a good game though. Yes, finally. It wasn't the Eagles and Niners, At, so let's we'll we'll postpone that because I think oh, I we're, we're going to get game. a lot of a bitterness coming from me there. But finally, the Bengals Chiefs was like pretty good game. It was close. I was hoping for overtime. I thought we were going to get it. Me too. I, I would love to see the new overtime rules, and also, man, I would really love to see Joe Burrow come back in mm. the fourth quarter. Oh my. Should we get right into it, Joe? Let's just jump into that game first of all. Okay, first, I want to give some props to Mahomes. Uh, I agree. I think people 100%. are going back and forth about the injury of like, it's either not that big of a deal or whatever. It's a high ankle sprain. That's still, that's tough. And the man played. He, he's that guy. Traditionally, a high so, ankle sprain, I read, yeah, or I heard yesterday, takes three to six weeks to recover from mm -hmm. in a normal NFL injury, high ankle sprain. It was eight days. For Patrick Mahomes. And the fact that he came out there, and yeah, he was hobbling around a little bit and probably wasn't quite as effective, I guess, on his legs, but he still extended plays. Yeah. And he still, I mean, played, I thought, except for that one fumble, extremely well. And then he put he did the things that he needed to do to help his team win. Exactly. He had that run at the end, which we can get into the delay hit, but like yeah. he, he played. It's like he took the whole argument about Mahomes versus Burrow personally and just yeah. showed up. I'm telling you what, it was... I agree. I think Burrow's stat line didn't look as good as, as the way he managed the game because his mm -hmm. offensive line, it's just, you know, when you're just getting every couple set, I mean, every time you drop back, you're getting yeah. crushed. It's just, it's tough, yes, but I'm overall disappointed with Joe Burrow. Mm. And the reason I say that for two reasons. Number one, came out very slow. Mm -hmm. They looked a little tentative. I don't know if you saw that or you felt that, but I thought the first couple possessions – Bengals looked a little kind of a little tentative, which mm -hmm. I was because they're a first quarter team. Yep. They played really well in the first quarter. And also, if you want to fast forward, yeah, I think both the picks were like, you know, up in the air. And they weren't just like now one pick was the first one I thought was pretty bad. Yeah. But second one, great play. Like, you know, what are you gonna do about that? It's just phenomenal defensive play. But the second part of what I'm trying to say is when they were driving, mm -hmm. right, in the fourth quarter and they got that third and seventeen. And they had all the. I, as soon as they got third and seventeen, I go, oh my gosh, oh my, they've done it. Like I, I just knew they're going to run the clock down, kick a field goal, and it was over. And for them not to be able to convert, now I know the Chiefs put a lot of pressure on them, but I was just highly disappointed. Who okay, who would you have said was the impact player of the game? Like if you had to give a game ball to someone, who would on, you go to on the Chiefs? Either one. I mean, I would assume Chiefs because they won, but like. Yeah, I mean, I, I who do you think was a difference out, maker? Shout out the Chiefs defense. I mean, they played really well. I mean, obviously the offensive line for the Bengals isn't great, but still, I mean, they were just getting mm -hmm. some really good pressure on Burrow. I mean, you you can't not give it to Mahomes though. Just like you just can't not. Yeah, and the reason I say that is because yeah, he played well, but also like it's all it almost reinvigorates a team when you have like your star leader who's like injured and still pushing through it. Like it makes them want to fight harder for you. I think. I agree. Yeah, there's this element of just a leader showing up yeah. and doing his thing. You know that 
like he's not putting any excuses out. You know that he's not his best and he's still showing up and playing. So then it makes you want to do that. I also want to give props to Kelsey because yes, back spasms. Have you had back spasms before? No. Dude, well, I, I had, have, and I've had back issues. But, but like spasms are brutal, and I'm assuming they got him under control. But mm-hmm. still played well. Also, great coaching moves, putting him out wide, mm-hmm. like figuring out ways to get him in the game and playing because the Bengals have been locking him down a lot. I thought, again, all in all. It was like a pretty good game. There's a lot to be said about the refs. Yeah, I have a lot to say about the refs oh, the next game, so no one wants to listen to that. So I'm not <laughs> going to get into it. But the play that uh, they stopped him on third down, they had whistled the play dead. That was wild. That they just got the free the the Chiefs got the free play. Yep, yep. I I thought the refs. Well, both game both games are pretty interesting. Obviously, we'll mm-hmm. get into the 49ers uh, game, but uh, there's one specific call that I, I really had trouble with. And it is the call, the unnecessary roughness, a personal foul on Mahomes at the end of the drive when that put him in field goal range. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, Mahomes did a good job at, at making it look like it was, he got crushed. So shout out Mahomes yeah. for flopping a little bit. But he did throw his hands up. He was like, oh, yeah, I know. He was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, just got hit by Mike Tyson. But, but it's really tough. Like Joseph, the linebacker from, the Bengals, when he had that personal foul and necessary roughness penalty on Oh, on they put Mahomes, him in a field goal range. They put him in field goal range. Mm-hmm. First of all, kudos to Mahomes for running that with a, with a sprained ankle. But still, like, if he doesn't go after Mahomes there, Mahomes gets another five yards. I really struggle with that because if he's a normal, like, running back, right, they don't call that. Well, I think they might would have called. Well, they, actually, no, they didn't call it on Joe Mixon. I, I, I think by the rules, that was a late hit. Here's what's tough though. As a, you know, armchair quarterback watching and yelling at the players, you're like, you idiot. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yes. You do need to be smarter. Here's what doesn't get considered for that. What you're saying is he's on the sideline. If he wants, he can just cut up field. So it's kind of this weird thing where you're a defender. You need to keep them out of field goal range. And so you've got to get them and not let them get those extra Mm -hmm. five yards, but he can just dance on the sideline if he wants to keep going and go. And exactly. you can't really do anything out it because the second you're going full speed, he takes one step and then you put your hands on him. It's yeah. a penalty. He can stay in bounds. He gets the five yards. It's kind of a lose-lose for defenders. And I, I get that it's the rule. And by that, it deserves to be called. It's just a very tough play for defenders that I don't think it's appreciated enough. Right. Agreed. Because it's a split second decision. Like, yeah, you can see on a slow motion replay and be like, oh, Mahomes was out. What an idiot. And not even, it is a split second decision. But not only that, when you have to shove someone out of bounds or tackle someone, you have to approach with aggression. So it's not like you can make a decision and then stop. Like you're going, I got to get this guy. And then all of a sudden I can't touch this guy. Exactly. Which is very tough. Yes, exactly. Joe, I'm telling you what, that stuff, for that to happen at that point in the game, just I hate for games to end like that. Like I hate for a I game know. that's 2020, right? And can't say driving a little bit. I hate the fact that it's it they call the unnecessary roughness penalty there when it's a split second decision. And like you said, if if the guy just like lets up the lot Joseph the linebacker, yeah. if he just lets up, Mahomes gets another five yards. Right? He just tip tiptoes down the sideline, gets another five yards. And also like he didn't crush Mahomes. Like it's one thing if he like just levels Mahomes. No. But like they're both running full speed, and he even like put his hands up after. But like they're both running full speed, so anytime you touch Mahomes, he's gonna fly. It's a lose lose for a defender. It That's really the only is. way to really do it. It's uh, like some of those roughing the passer penalties. 
Exactly. You've got to sprint after a quarterback. You've got to tackle him. You're you're bull rushing or you're like yes. trying to get around a line. You're coming full speed. You got to have the mindset of I'm just going to take down this quarterback. And then all of a sudden it's let me gently place you on the <laughs> ground. It's ridiculous. In fact, I mean, you have to do what I guess Chris Jones did on the Chiefs and just bear hug him and just set him on the ground like a little kid. Well, I guarantee you the reason he did that was because what was it? The Raiders game halfway through the season where he has the six strip sack and then they call roughing the passer I mean, because he lands on Derek Carr a little bit. Yeah. So he's, he's like, land on the quarterback. this is what you want now. Anyway, lose, lose, so tough. Stupid. Last thing I want to say about this game is Travis Kelsey at the end when he called out the Cincy mayor. Yes. <laughs> called him straight well, jabroni. Yes. I loved it. They're like, oh, it's not Burrowhead anymore. <laughs> also, I love Patrick Holmes. How he was like, I want to thank God. And then, uh, you know, and then Kelsey just comes in, give this man his credit. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was pretty funny. But all in all, last thing I'll say about this game, Joe, is Patrick Holmes, I, I was just blown away again. Really, I really was blown. What a great performance with a high ankle sprain. And I will say it, I was a little disappointed with Joe Burrow. I don't. Mm. He didn't play bad. I'm not. I'm not throwing him under the bus. Totally. But you were counting on being Joe Burrow. <laughs> I, I'm counting on Burrow in that game to throw one pick. I'll give him that one pick, but not to throw that bonehead first pick. Mm-hmm. And then also to lead the team to a field goal. I like it. So I'm, I'm saying Joe Burrow, four out of ten hmm. performance. All right. So then, mm, this game, the 49ers <laughs> Eagles. First of all, I think it was pretty unanimous. On social media, everyone was excited about this game. Yes. Most people were more excited about this than the Bengals Chiefs. And it was a disaster of a game. It was a disaster. It was. It really was. I do not... Well, we can get into this later. Eagles fans might would have liked it because that might have been the only chance they had of winning. But I don't even think a lot of Eagles fans enjoyed the way that that game was. I would say, as a bandwagon Eagles fan, I did enjoy the (laughs) the way that game went. But I will say there's a couple penalties, like in specific... Like the the roughing the kicker, mm. like that that was just so stupid. Okay, I want to get into the penalties in a second because I have lots of thoughts. Yeah. First, the just I want to appreciate for a second the fact that the 49ers have started four quarterbacks this season. Yes. Or not started had four quarterbacks playing. Almost five with McCaffrey. Well, I mean, I guess he technically <laughs> did take a, st- a snap at quarterback. So, yeah. but have had five or four quarterbacks playing, mm-hmm. and all four of those quarterbacks have gotten hurt. Yes, yes, actually, yes. The only explanation for this game, and we'll get into it in a minute, is that the Niners are cursed. I don't think that <laughs> anything else makes sense. I think that's that's a that's a gutsy call. Uh, I will say, I was disappointed, Joe, with just because. I'm glad the Eagles won, but we I will never really know what happens with a healthy Brock Purdy. You know, like we we never maybe it changes, maybe it does. Maybe you're right. Maybe Brock Purdy plays pretty well. Uh, and then the 49ers offense overall kind of gets a kickstart and it's a close game. Maybe they pull it out. But here are the things. Running down, the Eagles have four touchdowns, right? Four touchdowns and a field goal. Touchdown number one. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear. Yes, you can blame Shanahan for not throwing the uh, challenge flag, but there was a fourth down that was an incomplete pass mm-hmm. and was not ruled incomplete, and they scored a touchdown. So that drive shouldn't have counted. Yeah. Drive two, there were three first downs from penalties. You, yes, you can say that's on the 49ers. Mm. I think some of those penalties weren't great calls. Yeah. Either way, we'll, we'll chalk that up to just dumb play with the penalties for now, okay. but three of yep. them that they should have been stopped on. 
Then drive number three, the fourth stream quarterback drops a snap on the 30-yard line. So the 49ers defense that was just out on the field for seven minutes of game time that stopped them several times, they had one conversion on fourth down, and then three first downs awarded from penalties. Yeah. They have now 30 yards to stop them, and they score again. And then the last touchdown that they had was this most baloney, soft, roughing the kicker penalty that I've I ever agree. seen. That was soft. It was so soft, and he was blocked into him. Yes. So by no means. And then that was another one of their touchdowns. So if you look at their actual drives that weren't given to them by penalties, they were getting kind of shut down for a lot of the game. And so I think you take the penalties away and you have an actual quarterback that can throw the football. I don't think the Eagles win. Mm, that's in Chicago. I still think Eagles definitely take this game. Okay, so check this out though. How how well like how many yards do you think the Eagles had in this game? So they had 150 rushing yards, and then Jalen Hurts had what 150 passes, so 300. Okay, they're at 269. Okay, so they were under 300, 100 yards less than they normally have like their average in the season. They were averaging, I think, about 360 mm-hmm. and we're at 260. So then you look at the time of possession yep. and then it was 37 minutes and 26 seconds for the Eagles versus 22 yeah. for the 49ers. So they're on the field pushing twice as long and they only have 100 more yards than the 49ers mm-hmm. and 100 less than normal in a game. Mm-hmm. Their defense is, for the most part, locking the Eagles down. I know you're talking about like how good Hertz was playing. He had 120 yards passing, no touchdowns, 39 yards rushing. Right. He also had half as many attempts as Patrick Mahomes. He had 25 pass attempts. So here's my th- here's my take on the game. Right. When Brock Purdy is done mm-hmm. and it's halftime, we'll score at half. 21 7. Mm hmm. So if scores 21-7 and a half, and you have an inch, you have a fourth string quarterback with 49ers. The only thing the Eagle, their their only goal was to chew clock. Like you're up 21-7. You're you have a, the fourth string quarterback and you have a good defense. Eagles have mm-hmm. a good defense. So they're like, we just want to chew as much clock as physically possible. So I, I see your point where like the 49ers quote unquote like shut them down or play decent defense. But the problem is if it was a close game. Eagles have a completely different game plan. Completely different. They pass more. They're more dynamic. Like, it, they're going to take a lot more risk. Like, it's going to be a completely different game plan if it's 21-21. Well, then, to that point, though, when they went up 7 nothing and Brock Purdy got hurt, you would think that's optimal time to go up by a lot. They got shut down for three straight drives. Then the next drive, they had anything happen. They did. So yeah. it was 21-7 at halftime, mm-hmm. but it was 7-7 up until about – what was it after the two minute warning? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the score blew out, but like the game was pretty close. If you think that you would come back with a little bit more vengeance. Another interesting stat though, is how many of the Eagles first downs, like in percentage, do you think was from penalties? Like out of total first downs or like what percentage of the, their first downs were penalties that awarded the first down? Okay. Um, I'd say a quarter. It 25. was almost 30%. Yeah. That was close. It was close. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah, that's nuts. There's a lot of first down penalties in that game. Yeah, if you're looking at it, seven of their first downs were from penalties. Yeah. Yeah, well... I just, I, I don't know. You look at the score and it's 31-7. Yeah. And it's very easy to be like, oh my goodness, the Eagles just absolutely obliterated Agreed. the 49ers. You look at stats and besides time of possession and score, obviously the most important one, they're like pretty similar. Yards per play was 3.8 versus 3.6. Mm-hmm. Like, 
And I mean, you, the entire second half, when they're down, the Niners can't throw the football. I know. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's one of those like what a could have should have games, right? Like if Brock Purdy is healthy, maybe they pull it out. But it, also yeah. if Brock Purdy's healthy, maybe he throws three picks. Like, you know. Maybe. But I mean, I just think, I don't know. It was just kind of a very disappointing game to watch where. Yeah. I think that it would have been a great matchup. That's why I'm going into all these like stats and yeah. how they compare. Because I think in a lot of ways, it was could have been a way better game. But okay. I mean, what do you do when you don't have an option at quarterback anymore? I have no and, idea. And then the fact that it was a nerve injury is probably the worst. Well, okay, I don't want to say worst case because it could have been a serious injury. And so thankful that it wasn't. But in the sense that you just can't feel and you can't hold the ball. It's not like you can play through it. Like a high ankle sprain, that's tough, but you can suck it up and play through it. If your hand's just not you can't grip working, you can't grip a football, you can't throw a football. Right. And so, I, I mean, <laughs> I was half joking, fully joking, but this is why I think that the Niners are just cursed. Yeah, well, it would. Like, I, I agree. It, it would have been a lot different of a game and different game plans on both sides, and it would probably have been a lot closer with a, with a healthy Brock Purdy. But, I, just, I mean, at, yeah. the end of, at the end of the day, Eagles take it, and... They rushed the ball well. And that, I think, best part of the Eagles game was their pass rush. Obviously, it got two quarterbacks hurt. But oh, like, pass rush, yeah. Also, the fact too. that on the play that Brock Purdy got hurt, a tight end was trying to block Hassan Reddick. Mm -hmm. A third-string tight end was trying yeah. to block Hassan Reddick. Good luck. That's, that's just not very that's smart like, game that's plan. That's like there. you blocking. <laughs> I don't want to get that carried away. <laughs> so but I yeah. would look like a straight child, but yeah. still. Yeah. All right. So my last question about this game is, uh, what was better? Yeah. The Eagles pass rush defense, pass rush, pass rush defense. Yep. Or Jalen Hurts singing fly Eagles fly after the game. I turned it off before that. So I can't even answer that. <laughs> it was with Terry Bradshaw and Jalen Hurts Ooh. was just like saying the fly Eagles fly song. It got the crowd hyped. By the way, kudos to Jalen Hurts. Terry Bradshaw's like, you know, way to lead team to the Super Bowl. You know, you had a rush touchdown. You did this, you did that. It's like, you know, I'm nothing without the fans. The fans carried mm. us. And so anyway, the, got the, now it's the stadium fired up. What did you think about Pat McAfee's call? He put on Twitter that he completely disagreed with Kyle Shanahan's game plan and thought he had a lack of creativity after Brock Purdy went down. I think I agree with that. It was kind of pathetic Even watching it. Greg Olson was talking about it. If you know that your quarterback can't throw the football and the defense knows, everyone watching knows, you might as well put Christian McCaffrey in as like a wildcat with Debo Samuel back there or something and then have options so he, can, yep. he can do some. I, 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 like, I think what it was is definitely a giving up and just an exhaustion of mm -hmm. I've had now four quarterbacks go yeah. down. I have no fight left in me. Yeah. I'm, I'm just shocked. Here's what I'm shocked about. Pat McAfee said that he, in the first three years with the Colts, was their like emergency quarterback. He was their guy, mm -hmm. and I'm sure 49ers, maybe they didn't have like quote unquote like the like they didn't practice, but they had to have someone out there who's like a quarterback in college, right? Or like even a, like Christian McCaffrey, like he's thrown two touchdowns. Yeah. I know his one throw, he just like threw it up deep because he didn't have anything else, right? But like he can make some good throws. Throws, yeah, exactly. What what do you what do you gain by having Brock Purdy hand the ball off? Well, that's what I'm saying is everyone knows what's happening there. And they still, I thought, did a pretty good job with that being the case. And in the, in the sense of like, they were still running the ball against your super, super strong Eagles rush defense. Mm -hmm. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say that is it's amazing, right? 
to rush the ball against the Eagles' top rush defense. I mean, the fact, guess what? Christian McCaffrey didn't have 100 rushing yards, and he rushed the ball 15 times. Your boy Jalen Hurts carried the ball 11 times for 39 yards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey had 83 yards. He had 83. So let me just... And let, the entire defense knew that he was running the ball. Yes, exactly. So they shut him down because they're top-tier rush defense. That's just <laughs> not true at all. They, I, they're 100% with that. Dude, his touchdown run, though. That was sick. That, that was, was so that was sick. That was so cool. He dodged like He just three bodied tentacles. some people. Yeah. I will say this for the for the comments, the people that rush defense, they're like, oh, the Eagles 21st rush defense. No, they're not. They're not right now. They were probably in week eight. But in the playoffs right now, I'm arguing they're top five. I know statistics. In the sense that there were four teams left in the playoffs, so they're top five of those four teams. I agree. No. That's it. Oh, Mic no. drop. Since, we're moving since on. Since week 11, I don't even want to hear what you 10. have to say now. Oh, man. In the games that you want to count the stats, with the stats that you count, they are top <laughs> <laughs> rush defense. I completely yes. agree with you, Christian. The 49ers ran the ball 24 times in total. 81 total. You shut them down. I mean, they shut the 49ers down. 24 rushing attempts, 81 yards. Well, Christian McCaffrey had 15 carries for eight, 84 yards, averaging 5.6 of carries and a touchdown. Yeah. That's not but shutting him down. It's That's no, a good game. Well, then why didn't they run it 25 times with Christian McCaffrey? Maybe Kyle Shanahan was having a lazy game plan. Scared. Maybe they he was having scared. a game. Maybe he hasn't. Well, actually, probably because he needed to keep him healthy as a quarterback. <laughs> I would have liked to see him in, in quarterback. Right. Let's transition quarterback talk. Do you think then that you need to have a superstar quarterback to win the Super Bowl? So I flip-flop on this question a lot. But overall, I think you need to have a good quarterback i okay, define don't good i don't think you need superstar i think you need i think i think if brock Purdy was healthy mm -hmm. right i think he could have probably taken the 49ers to super bowl or won a super bowl like that kind of caliber yes but like a trevor lawrence wouldn't be able to get it done i agree trevor lawrence is better than brock Purdy right now no now, brock Purdy might be better next year uh you know if you look at their know. stats and then average them out they're pretty comparable yeah, but also Brock Purdy's only played. So here's here's the, the the trap a lot of people fall into. Quarterback has a good year, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing: when they have a good year, what do teams in the off off season do? They look at game film on why they had a good year. Just say Burrow completes seventy percent of his passes within ten yards to the right. What do they start defending? Okay, I agree. Question though: Trevor Lawrence then has had half of a good year because he had a bad first year. A bad first well, this one. <laughs> okay, I understand. But then can't just because he was the number one overall draft pick and Brock Purdy was the last draft draft pick, mm -hmm. is that the only substance for this argument then? No, not at all. Not huh. at all. I think substance for the argument is is that Tre they're the same age, I think, right? Brock Purdy and Trevor Lawrence. Uh let's see. Trevor Lawrence was a draft class before, but he would have yeah, I think they're both like twenty three. I think they're twenty three. They're both around the same age. But the thing with Lawrence is the potential, I think. But what I'm saying is your potential view, like what you consider potential is so biased from the fact that he was the number one overall pick and then Brock, or Brock well, Purdy was the last track. one. Yeah, it's track. It's, you know, the fact that how but good we, he was at Clemson. But then we all know that college. He's 6'6". Six, six but college doesn't at all translate. 100%. Look at Baker Mayfield. Yeah, look at Baker Mayfield. Look at people like Tom Brady again, who are late draft picks Sam and have the Darnold. best. Sam Darnold, <laughs> literally two number one and number three picks that yep. year 
are both pretty strong flops. Oh, okay, strong actually, flops. I'm going to take that back. I don't think that Baker was a complete flop. I don't think so. But, but I think he's going to be... definitely didn't live up. I don't think he's going to be a top 15 quarterback. Baker won't be a top 30 quarterback. So he's not going to be... Except for a starter on the worst team. Yeah, he's not starting next year. You think wait, he is? Wait, well, if he's staying with the Rams and Matthew Stafford comes back. He's not going to start. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. But, but the point is... I just think that so much of it is heavily influenced by where the draft is because then you're told that his potential is here because the scouts drafted him here. And then that's true. Yeah. But it's, think it's about fun. how many first round yeah. flops there are and late round successes. And well, so, yeah, I guess it's the fact that like the arm strength and him being 6'6. Six, six, I think that's also a piece of it. Yeah. But that's, that's potential. It <laughs> this this yeah. sounds like a high school coach. Potential is just like, yeah. That's, oh, it's yeah. completely like wasted unless you use it. Yeah. That's what people tell me. I'm wasting a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, you got tons of potential. Tons of but, potential. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I think your bias toward Trevor Lawrence does skew that a little bit. Well, no, I, I agree, <laughs> but I'm also playing a little bit of devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah I, lo I love when you play devil's advocate. Because why not? You know, I, But up. I think, okay. But back go, to the question. Back to the question. If you have someone like Brock Purdy who takes care of the ball and makes good decisions, mm -hmm. but he's not as flashy as Mahomes, right? He's not as sexy as Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. but he makes good decisions and doesn't turn the ball over a lot, I think you can win a Super Bowl with that quarterback if you build around him. I completely agree because I think so much of it goes into what's the offense they're in, where I would argue that a Brock Purdy is much better for Kyle Shanahan's office, offense. Like, he needs someone who can distribute the ball well, yes. who doesn't Coast make offense. a bunch of mistakes, and then, like, utilize the talent. Yes. And so, to your question, or I guess my question, you'd sent it to me before, of, like, does... uh do you need to be a superstar quarterback to win the Super Bowl? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's way more about quarterback offense fit. Here, here's the biggest misconception, I think. And this is just me completely undrafted. Yeah. Being like from the outside in. But the biggest misconception I have with quarterbacks is like people like Patrick Mahomes will come around. And they are seriously, people like Patrick, like you have Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And then you have like who else? Like, Patrick Holmes is the consensus number one overall quarterback in the league. Well, you were arguing Burrow before this game. Yeah, I know. I was, I was a little aggressive with that. But Burrow's top three, I think. Yeah. I think he's top three. But to have someone like a Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, that is a very rare find. So when people like, for example, our Carolina Panthers, like Carolina Panthers need to find a superstar quarterback. That's their problem. That's what analysts say. That's what... But here's the thing. That is not the problem. The Carolina Panthers have a lot of a lot of weaknesses without a superstar quarterback. And also, a superstar quarterback is very rare. I don't care if you had the first pick in the draft, yep. the fifth pick in the draft. Like, Mahomes wasn't the first pick. And, and that's what I'm saying, where... It... <laughs> There, there's so many factors that play into whether yeah, someone absolutely. fleshes out and so I'm a so quarterback. I am so this is going to be fired up. Yeah. I am so tired of the quarterback drama being like every team needs their quarterback. How can every team have a number one quarterback? There, I tell you what, like that, that's just it. If you look at the NFL over the last 25 years we've been alive, Joe, you've had superstar quarterbacks. You've had the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's. And the Patrick Mahomes now. But realistically, it's two to three every generation. Correct. And you have the Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, and there's probably a couple I'm leaving out. But you're right. You have like, you have your top five quarterbacks in the NFL, I think, at any given time. What are pretty much superstar quarterbacks? Mm -hmm. But then you have the other 27 who are just like NFL quarterbacks. They're good. Don't get me wrong. They're NFL quarterbacks, but they're not like, they don't have the X factor. And I think all these teams that are trying to find the X factor quarterbacks, like the Jets, 
right? And I think the Panthers are trying to get there from Cam Newton. They thought Cam Newton had that one year where he was the mm -hmm. X factor. He's a top five quarterback. And then they've looked for that Cam Newton ever since. And look where that's gotten them. Again, I think that too much rests on the shoulders of the quarterback in the sense of Patrick Mahomes is incredible. Would he be that without Andy Reid's offense, the way that the Chiefs Absolutely are put not. together? And so the fact that you, like, look at Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of the best football players in the league right now. Agreed. Talent-wise. In yeah. the sense of, like, a holistic football player. Like, look what he can do as a Receiving total weapon. Or, I mean, he's about to be a quarterback, too. He was not enough to get the Panthers to win. No. And so I just think that so much more comes around to how are you building a holistic team? And so I don't think the answer is a superstar quarterback to win the Super Bowl. I think the answer is a complete team to win the to Super be. Bowl. And it has but to be all these things. you have to have a good in. quarterback. That yes. fits good for your system. And it doesn't turn the ball over. Well, yeah. I think in general, you've got to not turn the ball over. Yeah. But I think you need a quarterback that's good for you. Yes. I'm so tired of quarterbacks being drafted number one, number three, number five, number two, number seven overall, and then not panning out. It happens all the time. Some do pan out. Joe Burrow looks to be a great quarterback, but it's just not where I like get a good defensive end. Build some build the line around. Here's the last thing I'll say to that. I think so much of that comes from the money in the fans. Where it's still a like the ticket sales. Yeah. yeah it's a business. I guess that's a good point. So if you're an owner, yeah, you want to win. But like don't you think you want to make money too? And if you it's get yeah. super excited to come to games because you get Cam Newton back, you yeah. get Trevor Lawrence, you get whatever. Well, it's like know, it's like the long term view of a short term. Short term's like you're gonna increase ticket sales, but then you're gonna be the fans are gonna be pissed off if after three years this guy sucks. All right, so we're gonna do the one minute news and we're kind of reworking this a little bit. So the thought is it'll be the kind of topics you want to bring up in a conversation, not just like, here's what's happened politically. So we're working on it. We might drop it. We might modify it. Who knows? Here yeah. we are. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But I'm excited. I think we got some good things. Well, I'm excited up. because we got our dude in this list at number one. Oh, number one. My favorite artist, Justin Bieber, sells his music catalog to hypnosis, who whatever it's called, for $200 million. Super Mario Bros. is debuting a movie April 7th that I couldn't be more excited to watch. All right, and then everyone's favorite topic, chat GPT, not GBT, <laughs> passes the bar exam, and or the multi-state bar yeah. exam, which is crazy. Uh, and then Super Bowl 57 is set now with the Eagles, Chiefs, if you want some storylines, Andy Reid coaching against his previous team. We got brothers in the Super Bowl, pretty fun, even though it's number one seeds, which is kind of lame. Yeah, Stetson Bennett, our quarterback favorite, has been arrested for public intoxication. I wonder what's going to happen with that. Novak Djokovic wins the Australian Open in straight sets. Is there anything this man cannot do? And then Brendan Urie is set to end Panic at the Disco after mm -hmm. almost two decades as a band to focus on family. Do you so. think he called his mom and said, hey, look, Ma, I made it? That's good. <laughs> That's good. Dude, I'm kind of sad about Panic ending. I tell you what, they started, in my opinion, with I write sins, not tragedies, mm -hmm. right? Banger. Dude, they have so many bangers. And then I have really listened to High Hopes and Hey Look Ma, I Made It. It was like three years ago. Those were my two songs. I, so I'm a punk rock kid. Are you? I, dude, I love I punk rock. I did not know that. I started drumming to Blink-182 when I was probably like five years old. So love all that stuff. I was more of like the earlier side gotcha. of the pop punk, but they were probably- like, yeah, what were we saying? Fallout Boys? Yeah, like Fallout Boy. Yeah. Uh, you love adding S's to the end of the words. What? Like Fallout Boys. 
Is it boy? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Or that. like a BKs. I've been Fallout Boys since sixth grade. Or BKs. And what was that yeah, one? I do like. I'm it. just straight roasting you for that. <laughs> I do like Adnasis. I love it. It's it's fun. It adds a little character. Joe Wise. But uh, anyway, I like the older punk, like pop punk stuff. But Panic was the one afterwards that I really loved because yeah. it just felt like a lot of it went into like the cheesy like, was it boys like girls or those kind of bands? Yeah. And yeah. But Panic, I love them. They were yeah. so good. Always confuse them for Fallout Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I actually Should. didn't because I love Fallout Boys, so I knew the difference. But they do yeah. have some that are kind of similar. In, in honor of Panic at the Disco, should we sing? No, <laughs> we shouldn't sing it. But ha ha who's for a living? Clip that. <laughs> I do think, though, it's kind of cool because uh, him and his wife, I guess, are expecting their first yes. child. And so he wants to focus on his family. Which I get it. Touring is yeah. a lot. And he so, said, hey, look, Ma, I made it. I have high, high hopes in becoming a family man. Boo. <laughs> Get off the stage. <laughs> hey, look, Ma, I made it. Uh, perfect transition, though, to Florida, man, don't you think? Oh, I, this is my favorite segment. All righty. You ready for this? I'm ready for the Florida, man. I'm ready to, to take a lead again. Ow, now, brown cow. Got to warm up for this. We got a lot happening here. Okay. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Sally. Yeah. Sells seashells mm -hmm. by the seashore. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck, woodchuck could chuck, upper deckies in his upper deck? Why don't we ask chat GPT, not GBT? Story number one. <laughs> okay. While using a magnet to search water for salvage items, a Florida man pulled out a World War II hand grenade. The man then decided to throw the grenade in his trunk and drive to a Taco Bell. Once he arrived at the restaurant, he called 911 and explained the situation. The Taco Bell was then evacuated and the bomb squad was summoned. The restaurant opened about two hours later and no one was hurt, but everyone was a little confused about his order of operations. Okay, okay. Story number two. A Florida man walked into a Waffle House and grabbed a booth and ordered his food like normal. Right after his food arrived, he told an employee that he had to go take a quick call and to not clear his food. About 10 minutes later, the man runs through the door and continues to eat his breakfast. Before long, police arrive and arrest the man in connection with the robbery next door. Once police showed the man video evidence connecting him to the crime, the man claimed it couldn't have been him since he had an alibi because he was here eating breakfast. Employees quickly disproved the statement by informing police that he left the restaurant for some time. Okay, so essentially story number two. Okay, so recapping. Yeah. Story number one. Yes. This man's out fishing for metal, metal fishing. Yep. He grabs a grenade that he finds. Yep. Throws it in his car. He drives to Waffle House. Sorry, he drives to Taco Bell. Once he's at Taco Bell, he then calls police and he's like, yo, guess what? I found I this grenade. I don't know what to do. So can you help me with it? Then the police come and they're like, yo, you got a real grenade and you drove to Taco Bell. And he's like, yeah, if I did. That's story number one. Story number two, this guy wants to go rob a store. So he goes to Waffle House, orders food, leaves the Waffle House, goes over to the store, robs it, comes back to the Waffle House. Police come and like, hey, we got video evidence here right here. And he goes, hey, wasn't me. I was here the guess whole time. what? I was here the whole time. Employees of the Waffle House were like, guess what? No, he wasn't here the whole time. He left for about 10 minutes during his meal. So he gets arrested. Okay. So I think story number one is more outlandish and it involves Taco Bell. I'm going with the same theory because you're not going to reverse psycho psych psychiatric psychology me. And story one's fake. Incorrect. Story Gosh. number story number two is fake. Dang it. I reverse psychology to you Again. twice. Oh no. So he straight up. Grabs a grenade that he finds and then 
we're like, oh, I don't know what to do about this grenade. What's the most rational thing you do? You pick it up, you drive with it in your car, because who knows, you could clearly bounce something out. Then go to Taco Bell and then call police. How are you finding these freaking stories that involve stuff you just talked about? Like Taco Bell. Because there's so many stories. So my two challenges that I run into every single week trying to figure this out are one, how do I decide which outlandish story I'm going to do because there's so many of them? And then two, how do I create a fake story that's equally outlandish without having been a story of that week? That was stupid of me. I should have done that. Should have done, done it. Can't take it back. Nope. <laughs> Did say you have a losing record again. Oh, it's tough. It gets worse before it gets better, fallacy. My growth mindset this week, Joe. What you got for me? I think it's kind of continuing on the same path with mindfulness, but mindfulness in specific with my faith mm -hmm. and like how that applies to my daily life. So how I can be like a better Christian in my relationships, in my, like in my company, you know, and with friends and just like with my actions. So I, it's kind of like feeding the mindfulness. Yeah. I like that. Growth track. Mine is, we're about to be gone this next weekend Things have just been like kind of crazy schedule wise. I talked about how I'm trying to get like a little bit more routine, but it's just not going to happen for a little bit. And there's going to be stuff that slip. And so I'm just like, I'm going to show myself a little grace. Make, Good. I'm I like, like you know what? I don't need to add undue pressure on myself, yep. which most of the time comes from me. And so uh, we're going to be with family. I'm going to yep. love it. And I'm just going to try to enjoy that. That's, that's kind of what I'm focused on this week. Yeah, man. Turn your phone off. That's what I did over the weekend. Turn my phone off. It was good. Much needed. We got to watch the flag football game, though. I don't know if I can watch it, dude. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Got to report on it. Okay, so then for the draft, we thought we'd do NFL logos. Mm -hmm. And so we'll do – it's mostly logos, but color scheme can factor into it. Yes. If, if you want. Yes, I okay. like that. So I will take first overall pick and go back real quick to the to logo. So I was looking at these last night, and I go, which one creatively is the best? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphin jumping with the sun right there. I think they did a great job. I also, what I really like about that is the color scheme just fits so well with Miami. I had it on my mm -hmm. list too. Because the logo, it's... Like the beach. Yeah, it just feels Miami. The aqua and the orange, is it's good. I like yeah. that. Um, my number one pick is going to be the Buffalo Bills. Oh. I think the colors are crisp. I think it's a fun logo. I like the red stripe going down the middle of it. It just looks clean. I like looking at it. Yeah. So yeah. that's my number one. Number two for me, it's I'm going to throw it back to last night when I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. And the reason I really like that logo so much is the Arrow. Arrowhead Stadium. I think that's just so cool how they intertwine that. The cohesive branding. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go Chargers. Oh. I like. The lightning. I like the lightning bolt and I like the colors. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go Chargers with it. Okay. I'm also going to go last night again, and this is kind of biased, but I'm going to go the Philadelphia Eagles because I just think that looks really clean on a hat, mm -hmm. like the Eagle. Okay. I'm going to go Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Great colors. Like love yep. the team. Yep. And I like the North and South Carolina combined yeah. in the logo. I think that's cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay. Number four for me. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. Mm, kind of like one. the same way you did the bill, the um, the Buffalo Bills because it's like a lion that's like ready to like pounce almost. Yep. 
you know, which has really symbolized their quarterback play for the last 20 years. It's just a lot. <laughs> All right, I'm going pick number four, Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah, it's classic. such a classic G. Yeah. Everything about it I like. Georgia is kind of like copying it. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, I like it. Yeah, they really are. And then I'm going to round it out. Number five, and I'm going to go the Cleveland Browns. Really? Field. And the reason I say that, it's iconic. And how can you get more traditional, more football than a football helmet? Don't you just love it? It's a football helmet, and you're the Browns, and you have an orange football helmet. I yes. mean, does it get any better? You than have that? a football helmet on your football helmet. That's a color different than what you're saying your color is. Yes. Which is also your nickname, yes. the Browns. Mm-hmm. But we're, our logo is just an orange helmet. Yes. Like completely disagree with There's that. There's a lot one. of construction workers in Cleveland Brown. In Cleveland. I think if I could put that logo at 45th, I would. Five's been hard for me. I've thought about a lot of different ones. I like the Giants. I think that's clean. I like the Vikings clean, a little yeah. bit. I like mm-hmm. the Seahawks some. Not a lot, but a little bit. But I'm going to do the Tennessee Titans. Oh. The, the boys in two-tone the blue. The flames kind of? It's just weird. It's different. It is diff. Uh... It's more of like a, I'm giving it a nod than I'm really giving it a pick. It's my roster is full, but I need someone at the end of my bench. And so yeah. I'm going to go to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Like a fraternity guy. All right. Well, that was episode five. Cinco, what another good episode. What an episode. Things got a little heated at yes. times, but yes. in good ways. In great ways. And I also think if you're listening right now and every episode that we do, whether it's you know Cinco or mm. Sace or where we keep going... That's how many people you need to tell about the episode. I think five people, if you reach out to friends and family, and this made you laugh at least five times, I think what we do, Joe, and, and you can you can kind of disagree with this. I think what, what all of our subscribers should do is create their own mailing chain, and we can do like a Ponzi scheme almost, right? Like we'll give them money, and then they'll give the mailing people money. Well, isn't it a quote from you that you said, I don't see what's wrong with Ponzi schemes? Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with Ponzi schemes as long as everyone gets paid. I thought you said, I don't see what's wrong with them as long as you get paid. And that'll wrap it up. Peace.